Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to the Kachina Aurora Kitchen Witchery Podcast. We are back for another fabulous episode of Conversational Witchcraft. And today we have my fellow kitchen witch, Laurel Woodward. I'm really excited. Uh, just before I hit record, I said, you know, I don't get a ton of kitchen witches or people that would identify as kitchen witches. So I'm super excited to have Laurel here with us. She is a writer, a gardener, a cook living a magical life in the Pacific Northwest, which everyone knows is one of my favorite places on earth. Uh, she is the author of Kitchen Witchery, Unlocking the Magic in Everyday Ingredients. And Laurel has been following uh, a solitary, nature-centric nature-centric practice for more than 20 years. Wow. Laurel, welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you. I feel like there should be like, I'm going to have to get like, um, like a clapping track because I feel like <laughs> I need, there needs to be fanfare when I introduce people because everybody I've been lucky enough to interview. I like adore and I'm always so I feel like there needs to like some sort of clap track and I would play that for you right now because like I said I don't often get kitchen <laughs> witch other kitchen witches so you've been practicing as, as a solitary solitary path for over 20 years as have I has that whole time been kitchen witchery I know it was a very slow evolution um it took uh it took some maturity to figure out that um, every mundane part of your life can be magical, can have a, a purpose in your magical practice. Yes. And um, can become sacred. Yes. Uh, it took a lot of, I, I was, I'm a mom of four kids. So it took a lot of slowing down and making space for myself and, and um, coming into my own practice to turn it into kitchen witchery. That's a really interesting point. You know, when I teach classes on kitchen witchery, I do. I don't do not have uh, human babies. I have fur babies, and mm -hmm. I have a company. So those are the things that you know that I nurture. Um, and I do have a lot of people that are parents, and they'll say, "Well, you know, I have to slap food on the table. I don't have time to to perform kitchen witchery." And I'm like, "No, it's in everything. Like that's yeah. the beauty of it, right? Is the sacred every day? How did you?" How did you figure that out? Like, what were those steps or what was your light bulb moment? Um, well, it was a lot of uh, reading about um, conscious creation and about um, mindfulness. And then I read this uh, book by Deborah Blake, um, Goddess in the Detail. <sighs> Such and, a great book. Yeah, it was. Oh. And just trying to implement some of her practices changed my practice immensely so that instead of doing all these crazy big huge rituals under the moon I could just make pancakes yes or, you know put together a nice herbal tea and mm. that in itself was a an act of magic mm -hmm. um, yeah. a nighttime bath with herbs and oils mm -hmm. became an amazing you know sacred part of my craft so were you practicing in these larger, more uh, ritual type ways beforehand? Like yes. what was your practice? Oh, yeah. And how did you, how did you find that path? So we're kind of starting at the end, but let's, let's go back to the beginning. How, think, how did you I find think, the path of, of witchcraft in the first place? Right. And what did that you know, look like? Um, it, okay. That also was kind of a slow evolution. I, uh, I came to witchcraft as a gardener um, uh. and it was actually because I started making plant allies and collecting history and lore of different plants I was growing. Mm -hmm. And then as I created different recipes and then played with formulas, I became a witch <laughs> and it, it was, it was just something that happened. Um, it, it, it was an awakening. Right. Right. So how did you, how'd you find the plant allies and what was the first one that kind of like pops out to your mind? Uh, the first one I think was, I think it was a uh, mother wort. And, um, I found it at my local, um, nursery. Mm -hmm. They had this really incredible herb section. And I just collect new ones and add them to my garden and learn about their lore and their um, history. 
And I, I just thought it was fascinating. So you so had this pull, this pull of spirit mm-hmm. connecting oh, yeah. you with these, with these plants. I did. Wow. And what was it about this first one? You said motherwort. Um, uh-huh. What was it about that specifically that really like intrigued you and made you go, wow, you know, I'm, I, I mean, if you were not walking a, a witchcraft path beforehand, maybe you never heard of the term plant ally. So yeah. I, like, how did that start to add up and compute to you? Um, I think it was in the gathering of the lore. I just became fascinated with, yeah. with how uh, people interacted with plants hundreds of years ago and what they used them for. Mm-hmm. And as I put them in place in my own practice, um, I think mother were, spoke to me so because at the time I was doing psychic studies and oh. developing, developing my intuition and um, anything that, uh, that was said to um, help empower intuition and open your mind and things was, was something that I was looking for at the time. Um, wow. Wow. And so this plant was like, hey, over here. Uh, yes, pretty much. I was like, oh my gosh. You're like, look at the, I'm like, oh, I found the my friends. Like, I, oh, look at the friends I found, right? Like, it's so, so interesting when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you were going to say and, something about the mother? And it's, it's interesting how things evolve too, because, um, I really got into culinary herbs and growing all my own fresh herbs. Yes. Um, And I still do today. But as this whole strange world has unleashed upon itself with this weird things going on in government and the pandemic Mm -hmm. and things, my, without really noticing, I started forming allies with all these nerve vines that were in my yard, Hawthorne and, and, chamomile and um california poppy and catnip oh um yeah I, I i didn't even realize it until i was doing a conference and someone asked if my practice had changed and i realized it had got through a whole evolution and wow. i was working with these nervines to to bring calmness and and anti-anxiety and yeah um, yeah and 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 almost like that there's such a fine line i think between like Kitchen witchery, garden witchery, herbalism, you know, even Ayurveda, if you're familiar with Ayurvedic techniques, Mm -hmm. um, like there's these fine little lines between them and the meanings of foods and the medicinal properties of of herbs and things like that. And I I find often that culinary herbs are a gateway drug for for witchcraft, right? Because Mm -hmm. the minute you realize that peppermint makes a great tea to calm the stomach, you're Mm -hmm. like, wait, hang on a second. You know, or that it's this kind of like a rejuvenating feeling or the, the cleansing properties or the calming properties of something. And then all of a sudden you go, hang on a second. I could, I could mix mint leaves into a salad. Oh, uh-huh. I could, I can, you know, r- rosemary brings, you know, wisdom, peace, all these things. I could, I could roast this with a chicken. Like, you yeah. know, and I feel often, and tell me if you have the same experience, like when you teach a class or, or, or give a seminar or something. Oftentimes people say to me, it feels like a light switch was turned on. Oh, completely. Right? Exactly. The minute you start Mm -hmm. thinking about, and it always starts with er garden herbs, right? Mm -hmm. Little tiny garden herbs that you could buy at at the local grocery store, the local farmer's market that you even put on your windowsill if you live in a Mm -hmm. tiny apartment. It always starts with that. Um. A great little garden herb is uh, lemon balm. Yes. And I saw in your book, you used a lot of lemon balm. I love lemon balm. I love lemon balm. And it has such a great energy and a great taste and flavor. Yeah. Um, I love to do infused water with lemon balm because oh, yeah. it gives you that nice lemony taste. And it's got, uh, it's it's so, um, it's like a florally lemon to me. Mm-hmm. And it has those same cleansing properties. And I find, I love lemon in my water. Like I Mm -hmm. use a lot of lemon. I love lemon slices in water. I love lemon everything. But I find that when I infuse the lemon balm in just drinking water, that it doesn't go bitter. Like, you know, if you leave a lemon rind in for too long, you get the bitterness of the pith. It doesn't do that. So you can kind of like enjoy it more, right? But you got to be careful. Lemon balm will take over your garden. Oh, I know. It's true. It, you plant it once, you have it forever. Forever. It will not die, which is yeah. great for me because I am 
not a garden witch. I have a, <laughs> I, I swear I have a black thumb. And the only thing I can grow is basil. Like that's, and I think that's just because I'm Italian. And so the basil's like, all right, it has. We have an understanding with it. Um, do you? Do you? I, we're laughing, right? We're talking about how you find you found that motherwort, and you're like, oh, my friend. Um, but, but I do that. Like I'll be like, oh, I have to go out and tend my friends when I'm talking mm-hmm. about my basil or my rosemary, <laughs> I gender them. My rosemary is always female. And and my husband will be like, did you see Rosie? She's doing great today. I'm like, I know she looks so full and beautiful. Do you do these sort of things? And if so, oh, are they magical for you? They are, they are. And yes, I talk to my plants and interact with my plants a lot. Um, and they, I think plants have a lot of wisdom. And if we learn how to observe them and listen to them, we can learn from them a lot of different lessons. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you kind of started your journey as a garden witch, growing culinary herbs, like so many people do. What then, so you so you find this motherwort, you're in love with it, and you're like obsessed with the lore. And how does that blossom into being who you are today? Like, how did that change your practice? And and then the next step and then the next step. Well, I, I've always been a cook. I love cooking. It's I'm a feeder. I, I make lots of food and feed people. Yes. And <laughs> when I learned how to make my own, uh, grow my own herbs and use my own garden food in my practice, it was just a magical energy that I was infusing all the food with. Yes. And um, that's... Uh, it, it was like a vehicle to make my everyday life a magical life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So instead I, yeah. of... It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And you, you find that, you know, listen, I say all the time, I'm a terrible witch. I'm a, te- I'm a terrible <laughs> witch because I'm so damn busy. And my intention is always there to do something, like you said before, these big kind of ritual practices. And I want to get back to what you said about how that used to be your practice, and now it's much more in the home and in food. My practice has never looked like that. Like, I've never really been this person that's doing big rituals unless it's specifically with community. I'm not Mm -hmm. doing them on my own. I've never really been that person. Um, But like you said before, the fact that you can make pancakes and that could be magic, you know, mm. that, that turning of it inward. And sometimes you don't even have the energy to do that. And I think that's okay as well. Um, yeah, that is, right? it, it, it is uh, important to honor your, your energy levels and know that it is okay to take time for yourself and to just be just relax when you need to. Yes. Okay. So let's go. Let's at, that, at that same time though, yeah. you can make a nice magical bath and relax in the bath too. You're saying <laughs> that's like, like they now, like that's all I want to do now is go into the, into a nice hot bath. And I have the teeniest, tiniest bathtub. I don't even fit into it. <laughs> so I tend to take like really long, hot showers and I get those that, you know, like the, the aromatherapy things. Um, but I said to my husband, Listen, if you ever want to do something nice for me, rent me a nice hotel room with a giant bathtub in it. And oh, I'm going to go by myself. <laughs> I'm going to bring all my bath salts and my, my herbal things, and I'm just going to sit and soak until I'm a prune. Um, okay, so you, you see your, your garden witch, and you're going along this journey. What does that develop into in your practice? At the beginning, how did that develop into rituals and things that you were doing that you were considering your craft? Um, well, basically, learning how to use the things I was growing in ritual. Um, oh, okay. So that I guess that was the start of the the whole prog- um, progress of it. But today. Um, so uh, my, my practice was kind of disconnected. So mm-hmm. I was living regular busy life. And then when I had time writing rituals and spending uh, a, a little bit every day before having to do something, a big elaborate one at the full moon or new moon or whenever, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, taking an hour or so then to perform it, that was just so disconnected. Now, everything, uh, every point of my life has a, is part of my practice. It's, um, it's now a lifestyle. It's, Mm. um, if I'm 
raking leaves or if I'm, you know, digging a garden bed, as long as I'm present and, you know, I have uh, my intention of what I want to do and a grateful heart that I have this Mm. space to work in, um, the whole thing just becomes magical. Yes, I love that. I I think you hit the nail on the head when you said having a grateful heart. I think, especially over the last couple of years, gratitude has become like its own entity of my spiritual practice and of my mental health and my emotional well-being. You know, that kind of dovetails into spiritual practice. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, when you're doing these things with intention and with gratitude, a lot of people don't find the gratitude in the simple everyday tasks, in the cooking of the meal, the weeding of the garden, the grocery shopping. Those tiny little tasks are where we have to find the gratitude mm-hmm. um, because it's all, it's a web of energy and connective tissue that create the whole. I imagine finding that grounding area, finding that gratitude for someone who's super busy, who is a mother of four, was very difficult, especially in the beginning. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Um, it, you, you just have to come about your life differently. Instead of making a chore that you get through and, and just have a frenzied life, if you come to everything present and thankful, um, it's a huge shift. Yeah. And and could you give an example of how or what practice you used to start to shift your perspective and shift your mindset into that? It was just an awakening. And then you have to remind yourself and come back to it. And, you know, I was I was in the yoga class that I went to three times a week. And I think part of that whole practice and mindfulness just was a tool that helps me um, find my way. Have you read Yoga for Witches by Sarah Robinson? No, but I will now. It is so fantastic. And I interviewed her a couple of weeks ago. And not to not to deter, but I feel like you and I are so similar in our practices. And yoga is such a big part of of what helps me do my work as well. And I found this book called Yoga for Witches and I went, yeah, how come nobody has ever put these two things together before? Um, and she's coming out with a book on kitchen witchery as well from, oh, nice. from that perspective. But it's all like the fairy folklore around kitchen oh, witchery. It. Yeah, it's it's really, really cool. Um, and she's great. You, you'd love her. But the yoga for witches is so important. Or, or yoga, not necessarily her book, but yoga for witches is mm-hmm. very important because it does allow us almost like a – and tell me if you agree – a transitional space for us mm-hmm. to be able to kind of funnel these ideals, these practices of meditation, the, mm-hmm. these grounding techniques, especially for those of us who are crazy busy. I mean, mom of four, I can't imagine how hard that is, <laughs> right? The fact that you could carve out time to do yoga three times a week is freaking fantastic <laughs> because that means you're really caring for yourself and your, your spirituality and your mental well-being. But it gives you kind of a place to get in touch with the universe and get in touch with spirit that you take home with you. And then that kind of bleeds into everything that you're doing. Yes. yes. Right? Mm-hmm. It's it's I never agree. it's never just one thing. Have you ever gotten any like I don't want to say pushback, but have you ever gotten any vibes from other witches that they think that the kitchen witchery is a lower magic? Uh, At first I did. It's getting to be more and more accepted. Um, More and more people are picking it up, but uh, yeah, um, it, especially, especially coming from a ritual background um, when you leave uh, uh, a big working for, but you know, I actually, I think that every practice, when it comes down to it, after you do all the work, you are supposed to work it into your mundane, every ordinary, everyday life. Mm-hmm. So I, I think maybe 
people are becoming more aware that um, all of these smaller works are just as important. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, and, and I have I, a roundabout answer, but but no, but it's true because, <laughs> in my opinion, humble, a little kitchen witch opinion. How do you put it? Witchcraft, magic, is not something we do. It is something we are. Mm-hmm. Right. It's how we walk through the world. It's how exactly. how we care for our families, how we care for yeah. ourselves, how we care for others. Um, you know, if you walk into a room with joy, love, abundance, and gratitude in your heart, everyone else is going to feel that. Yes. If I'm having a psychic connection to spirits in the room, or I'm talking occultism, or I'm, you know, planning big rituals in the back of my mind, it's not necessarily, that's something I do to express my witchcraft, but it's not who I am. Now, I don't know if that, I don't want to speak out of turn because I'm sure there are people that practice in those spaces and it is who they are um, because it is part of everything they do in every day. But I don't think one is better than the other, and I don't think one is lesser or one is greater. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I, I think each of us finds what naturally is part of our our person, our spirit, mm-hmm. and um, expound on that. And for yeah. me, being a cook and a feeder, it's only natural that I figure out how to use my practice in in that art. May I ask about your relationship with food? Um you know, a cook, a feeder. I'm a little Italian girl that grew up in New York where food was our religion, right? I mean, my grandmother, if there was anything, you got a haircut, let's celebrate and eat something. You you know, like, do you know what I mean? Like, whatever it was, I'm going to, I have a sandwich or I have a, a recipe or I have something mm-hmm. that you need to eat, whether it's we're happy or we're sad, whatever the emotion is, I have, I have a, a dish for that. What is your relationship to food? When did you start cooking? How were you brought up with food? Like, what is that? What is that like for you? Uh, my dad was a great cook and I learned how to cook really young. By the time I was 12, I had three cakes that I could make from memory. Oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah. So oh, that's I, amazing. I just, I grew up cooking. Yeah. Um, and I, part of my illness that I have, my not being able to eat wheat is like a curse because I love to bake bread. I am also gluten-free and it is fucking horrible. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Cause one of my absolute favorite things is to bake bread. Um, oh, uh, and I still bake it. Anytime I have company, I bake bread just to fill the house with aroma and people love eating fresh bread. Yes. Um, yes. But, yeah. It's a little Although, masochistic, right? Cause I'll be is, like, I'm going <laughs> to, I have this recipe is my grandmother's bread. And we call it grandma bread, and it's a stuffed mm. spinach and cheese, like a like a stromboli. Oh, and I mean, mm. I found out about my gluten allergy. I want to say like twelve years ago at this point. I'm not quite celiac, but it's mm. really bad. So I I I will not eat wheat or gluten, and I will bake this. I will make it when we have company. You know, if it's Thanksgiving, yeah. and and I just I bake. You do the same thing, right? I put I it do. out on the table, and I'm like. Can you just tell me what it tastes like? Just yeah, yeah. Right? Like, please, I'm just gonna watch you eat it. It's a little, it's a little masochistic. What's your it is. right? My favorite thing that tell I can't me. eat is pizza. Mm. I love pizza. I know I love pizza. <laughs> I love pizza so much. And again, mm. like I grew up in New York, and I grew up in Italian families, and it's making mm. pizza from scratch. And then, and then, yeah. if you don't have pizza, you have New York pizza. I have found <laughs> when we're done, I'll give you. I have um a very good company that small company woman owned. They make a gluten free sourdough crust. Oh, nice! And they ship it to you. Um, and since I have found that, I have been much happier with <laughs> with pizza. I've gotten a little obsessed, especially through the pandemic. We eat pizza every two weeks, um, and that's what I eat. But yeah, I mean, that's now. Do you still make that for your family? Do, oh yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. I still bake. I make cakes. I do. I do all kinds of stuff, and I do a lot of gluten free cooking too. Oh yeah. Um, 
I, uh, I do my own flowers, but I also use the, they've come up with some really good ones. Um, the measure for measure, um, King Arthur and the measure for measure, um, Bob's Bob's um, red mill. Yes. Yeah. Those are both great. Yes. They're, I agree. Really good results with those. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is, especially for our, our other gluten-free friends who might be listening, it's the texture of bread. Yes. Right. Cake, yeah. cookies, even pie crust. You can get that. You can get real close mm-hmm. with those textures and those flavors, but bread, it's yeah. hard, that chewy, a bagel. Oh my yeah. God. I would, I would sell a kidney for a bagel. Like I, <laughs> and I said to my husband, if ever, if ever, like it's the actual apocalypse. I'm just going to lock myself in a Panera and just <laughs> eat until I die. You know, like that's <laughs> right. That's what's going to happen. And the irony is I make olive oil. Like I, my oh, business right. is olive oil and half of my life has been spent cutting up bread so people can taste my olive oil dipped mm-hmm. in bread. It is like a curse, isn't it? It is totally a curse. And, and, and you know, when, when you do develop a sensitivity, it doesn't go away. It just gets worse. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's never just the one thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Do you have any other yeah. sensitivities? Oh, yeah. Rye, um, barley, um, cashews. Cashews. Uh, yeah, cashews. I I and that one just creeped up. I yeah. could eat cashews. I was using them as a substitute. And then all of a sudden it just kicked in. And now if I just eat a handful half an hour later, I just am scratching Ooh, my scalp off. No. And, yeah. No. Well, right. Wheat, barley, rye. Those are the big three glutenies. Yeah. Right. Um, um, that's, that's all I can think of at the moment. I all of a sudden developed a dairy allergy. Oh uh, yeah. That's happening to me. Oh, all I, like literally out of nowhere, I went out for ice cream mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, maybe I got glutened. Right. Maybe there was something yeah. in there. Maybe there's a cross contamination issue. Two weeks later, I was like, I'm going to try again. And I had like ice cream at home, like a little Hagen dazs sick to my stomach. Yeah. I had, haven't had ice cream in five years, like yeah. switched to everything, lactose, no lactose. So I can handle like hard cheeses, but I can't mm-hmm. have, I can't have mozzarella, which is really oh, awful. Yeah. So not only can I not have the crust of the pizza, Aww. But I can't have the you know, and you're just like, come on, what? But I could still eat garlic and oh, I can, there you go. and I yeah. can still have tomatoes. Yeah. Nice sauces. Right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it is, it is workaroundable and. Oh, you know what I've discovered? Make a nice baked potato. Oh my Fill God. it with sauce. <clears throat> um, potatoes. And then I, I, I do put cheese on my potatoes, but it's like, it could be like a pizza. Yes. Or um, I'll do um, spaghetti squash. Oh, yeah. I love spaghetti squash. Right. And you do like spaghetti squash and sauce. And instead, so I just have to stay away from lactose cheeses. So mm-hmm. hard cheeses or aged cheeses don't have lactose like Parmesan. in them. Parmesan or even like provolone. If it's aged, oh, yeah. there's no lactose in it. So mm-hmm. if you go with those cheeses, they're not, they're naturally lactose free and it's still mm-hmm. going to melt and you're still going to get those textures. So I'll put that on like the spaghetti squash and it's delicious, but <laughs> getting back to witchcraft, <laughs> cause we can talk about food. We can talk about food all night. Getting back to the witchcraft. A challenge for me was I had started my practice as a kitchen, witch. I had mm-hmm. started my company as a kitchen, witch. I wrote my first self-published book before I found out about my gluten allergy. And when I got diagnosed and it was a, you know, it was gluten and then a bunch of other things. Mm -hmm. Um, because like I said, it's never just one thing. It hit me very hard as to how am I going to practice Mm -hmm. all the things that I do, all the magic that I work with, all the energies that I work with, with limitations on what I can consume, what I can cook Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. How do you continue to do what you do with your dietary restrictions? Well, I've uh, adapted. I really have. I've I've adapted. I had to learn how to use almond flour and coconut flour and um, quinoa and other things. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I, I love research. I love experimenting. 
So it, it wasn't awful. It was right. like a challenge. Yeah. Um, yeah. Trying to create something edible and tasty and, and uh, comforting and mm-hmm. satisfying that would, you know, I mean, sorry, you, it's, it's not pizza, it's- but, but I can make other things that are very, very nice. Right. Right. And, and I think too, when you're working energy through food, mm-hmm. those substitutions can be challenging because mm-hmm. the energy of almond flour and that what I call this, what I call spiritual nutrition being those innate qualities, those innate energetic mm-hmm. qualities of an ingredient yeah, are different if you're using wheat flour versus when you're using almond flour. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to adjust your magics and your intentions yes. to, to fit those ingredients, right? And that's a challenge as well, but it can be done. And I think that's what, especially two kitchen witches with gluten allergies, like it can be done, people. You can be a kitchen witch and have a gluten allergy or be a vegan or not be a vegan. Like it doesn't diminish your practice, right? right? It doesn't mean you can't do it. You, you just have to do it your own way. You have to find your way. Don't you love that about witchcraft in the first place, that there is no right way? Like there's yeah. a lot of wrong ways, but there's no right way. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And I it, it is it is a a awakening um, mm. that, that everyone individually comes to, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that so much. And I, I love that your awakening was through culinary herbs. Like I, I just, <laughs> and it's so, it's so much some, something that you hear a lot. People be like, oh, I, I, you know, I grew basil on my bookshelf in college. And then I had to, when I got my first apartment, it was the basil and parsley. And, and then I figured out how to use these things. And, and that's what happens, right? It snowballs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Right? It snowballs. So getting back to you and all the ritual work you used to do mm-hmm. and how you said that didn't really fit on you. And it was just, and I imagine that was, very difficult as well to balance with such a full life and, and so many children and so many responsibilities. That's hard to do. It's hard to be like, okay, kids, it's full moon. Mama's gotta, mama can't do this right now. I gotta be outside. You know, like it's difficult for anybody, you know, to carve out that time. Is it something, the kitchen witchery, is it something that you practice with your family? And if so, how do you incorporate the practice into the family life? Well, um, it's just part of, of family life. Um, it's not really something I practice with my family. It's just, it just is. Um, and, um, could you give an example of that? All right. Like, uh, um, say I'm making a loaf of bread and I'm, I've got everything ready and I'm, I'm doing it for a reason. Say, uh, we're having company and I'm getting ready for company. Um, my my kids do know that when I'm on track to do something that I'm pretty focused on it. Um, so they'll, they do give me room for it, but um, they, they, just, I think they just think I'm kind of a weirdo and give me my space too. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> How old are the kids? Um, they're, they're all, they're all older, older. They're all older. Yeah. So yeah. they're not like, they're not like little ones in the kitchen, like, mama, no, what are you doing? No. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> no, no. They're like, oh, there goes mom again. Bacon exactly. bread. There you go. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's great too, because they're observing you being passionate and being spiritual and practicing in your mm-hmm. own way. Do you yeah. see, do any of them have that same relationship with food? Um, my daughter does. My, my daughter's, uh, just naturally, um, kind of a carbon copy. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's good and bad, right? Yeah. From what yeah. I, from what I understand, I, my, my nephew is the, so I have a nephew who's the son of a friend who's, who I consider my, my like a sister to me. And he is the mirror image of her. And she's like, ah, ah, he said this. I'm like, you realize that's you, right? Like that's, that's it's funny when that happens. It's funny with that. So I imagine <laughs> yeah. that's that's both good and bad, right? Yeah. Um it's so it's so fun to talk to you because 
you're a kitchen witch with a gluten allergy and <laughs> the the difficulties and yet the joys of figuring that out um are equally challenging and equally exciting right like yeah. right whenever you find something new you're like oh my god i found this new thing i've got to try and it's it it's great it tastes amazing so, and then do you feed I'm it, to- it every day for a whole week <laughs> for, right and i don't care what it is like if it's 20 dollars for a sleeve of cookies i'm gonna buy it <laughs> right? I'm, I'm going to buy it. Right. That's, that's what happens. Um, I love the book kitchen witchery, um, unlocking the magic in everyday ingredients. I love it because a couple of reasons, first of all, I love that. It's so, um, it reminds me a little bit of, uh, Cunningham's guide to wicket in the kitchen where it's like an ingredient and then here are the spiritual properties. So I can use it as a quick reference. If there's something like, Oh, I have clementines in the house or clementines like oranges. I'm not sure. Let me check the book right but i also really love your pies can we talk about pie for a minute okay <laughs> can you can we talk about how pie is a spiritual experience well um here we have berry picking season mm. and you end up with berries I'll, I'll pick blackberries you know every weekend for a whole month or six weeks depending on how long how good the season is and then I have these these wonderful, you know, giant bowl like this to make something out of. And if it's not pie, it, it, it's going to be some other nice baked good. But I, I do love pies. I love pie. Mm-hmm. And it was such a challenge to do a, a, a good pie crust recipe. And uh, that's gluten-free. Um, but I think the thing about pie, if you're talking about spiritually, is how you can make a pie with any filling. So that pie could be... For love. For love. It could be for passion. You could make a quiche, and now that's for fertility, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many different things. And the great part about that is you could serve them all at the same meal. Yeah, true. Right. You can. Yeah. Right? You could have all these things at the same meal. Um, and 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 then the mixing of those ingredients, which I find that you don't have that that opportunity. Like if you were gonna make something sweet and you're gonna bake a cake, you can't throw ten different kinds of fruit in it and have it work. It's gonna be soggy, it's not gonna work. But a pie, you could have blackberry, peach, and apple, and it's yeah. gonna work. And now amazing. you Right. And then you bring the, all those different flavors in. Um, mm-hmm. Which pie is your favorite to make? And then your favorite to eat? Because they might be different things. Um, I, well, I love pumpkin pie. I, mm. I do. I love, and I love growing pumpkins. I had 21 pumpkins this year. <gasps> I have one left. All, all the rest got cooked up. Oh, my but, goodness. So I, I do love pumpkin pie. Um, Will you make a pumpkin pie any time of the year? Um, no, I'm, I'm real seasonal. I really am seasonal, Me too. but I'll start making them in the beginning of October. <laughs> yes. Even September. Then, it like, even, and then go all the way through to the first of January. Absolutely. But after that, no. Yeah, no, but I, I will, I will make pumpkin fettuccine and pumpkin. Um, I'll, I'll do some other pumpkin flavored oh things. Oh my God. That sounds amazing. Um, Are you making fettuccine from scratch? Like fettuccine noodles? I have not done that yet. I want to, but I have not done that. It's yet. impossible to make them gluten-free. And so I just gave up and I'll just buy it. You know, like I'll just, yeah, yeah. Just, it, it is so much easier just to buy gluten-free yeah. noodles. Yeah, gluten free. Like I, I got a, a pasta attachment for my KitchenAid. Mm-hmm. Tried making gluten free. I wanted pasta. to. I have a KitchenAid, and I wanted to, but I haven't done that yet. If I'm going to be entirely honest, it's way too much work. Oh. It's I. I thought it was way too much work, and the result was not good. And I was like, ah, mm-hmm. uh, no. It's just, it wasn't worth it. I was aggravated. And for me, energy is everything. And if yeah. I'm going to get aggravated making something, then I should, then I don't want to eat it because the energy yeah. that's in it is terrible. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm like you, I cook incredibly seasonally, mm-hmm. incredibly seasonally. Now you're yeah. in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. So everybody thinks it's just rain all the time. But my experience in the Pacific Northwest is the weather's freaking amazing. It is. It is. Uh, I love it here. Um, it's really interesting though, because in the winter, in December, it does get dark at 4 30. 
in the summer, 930. You know, you have these huge differences. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the energy is completely different. In December, when it's cold and rainy, you want to be wrapped in a sweater on the couch drinking tea. You know, in the summer, in, in July, you want to be outside. You want to be hiking. You want to be working in your garden. You want to be outside until eight at night. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just completely different. It's and the, so the food, in this In the summer, I eat light, cold things like uh, salads and, mm-hmm. and caprese sandwiches and Fresh um, fruit. And- yes, exactly. Yes. And then in the in the winter it's it's hearty soups and beans and chilies and just completely different. I'm over here on the East Coast and I'm in New Hampshire. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the, the weather is Wait, where are you in New Hampshire? Uh, I'm actually in I'm in Salem area, Salem, New Hampshire. Oh. So I'm here by the Temple of Witchcraft. I'm in southern My husband New- My husband's from Stratum. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, his yeah. grandfather, the biggest apple orchard there. Which is it, it was Elton Orchards, but they sold. Yeah. Oh, there's tons. The apple orchards here are amazing. So like yeah. I said, I grew up in the suburbs of New York and um my husband and I moved up here. We actually moved to Massachusetts first. Mm-hmm. Um and we've been in New Hampshire because there's we were living in Massachusetts like 10 minutes from the New Hampshire border and we we're like why the hell are we in Massachusetts? And so we moved we moved over the border into into New Hampshire and I I love it here. I love that there's so much nature. I love that there are yeah. apple orchards for days and there's yeah. a farm up the road from my house where I can buy fresh produce and fresh right. eggs and fresh beef like it that's yeah. unheard of where exactly I grew up. Exactly what it's like here. Yeah. yeah, we had gone out to um, Portland, Oregon, um, two years ago for about ten days, twelve days, and it was in June. What? Oh, in June, nice. In June, yeah, really nice. And I, I, I left a piece of my heart in Portland, mm-hmm. and I, my goal in life is to have a second residence there because the people, the food, the farmers markets that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was so amazing, yeah. alive. It felt so yeah. alive. I couldn't believe that everywhere I went, the shrubs were made out of, were, were rosemary. There were rosemary and lavender shrubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I kept picking the rosemary and putting it in my hair. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like that's, I, I do love it here. I'm very, very fortunate that this is a really foodie environment. Oh, um, amazing foodie yeah. environment. I mean, some of the best restaurants in the country mm-hmm. and the food scene and how people feel about food and the fact yeah. that they, they get it, right? They get what yeah. you're talking about. They do. Uh, organics are huge here. Yes. Everybody has a garden here. Um, it's just the farmer's markets are incredible. The people here just, you know, it's a pri- it's food is a priority. It's, it's important. And isn't uh-huh. it though? It's celebrated here. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think there is a way of life in our country, um, and I think there are pockets of people like ourselves, like the Pacific Northwest, that kind of buck this. The Mm -hmm. ideas of food comes from a grocery store, it needs to be fast, it needs to be easy, it needs to be cheap, I need to eat and leave. Mm -hmm. And then there are people that maybe were brought up with no, you need to stop and enjoy food. You need to cook a meal. Sit you down need to at the table and talk. Connect. And eat slowly and right and a savor. The connections we make yeah. over food. Right. When you think about your life and you think about the celebrations of your life and you think about birthdays, holidays, first mm-hmm. dates, weddings, what do you think about? The food, right? You know, when my when I, I never traveled until I got married, my husband took me to a whole bunch of different countries, and I started keeping a journal, a travel journal. I yeah. went back and read it. It was a list of every restaurant that we ate at and every meal that we ate, and nothing else. I love it so much. I love that so much. But we don't travel as much. Well, we started traveling, and then the pandemic hit, so we haven't been anywhere uh, in two years. But. Um, when we talk about like trips that we've been on and play, we're like, oh yeah, we went to this place. Remember that thing we ate in that place? Yeah. And that's yeah. that's yeah. one of the reasons why we chose to go to Portland because we wanted to do a food vacation. And we're like, mm-hmm. where do we want to go? 
We want to go to Portland because it's like some of the best food scene in the country. And that's one, like the main reason we chose Portland was because we knew good food scene. Let's go there. When when were you here? Two years ago? Uh, 2019, June 2019. I want to say we flew out like a couple days after Memorial Day and we were there for like two weeks. And again, I left a piece of my heart there. Uh, We ate. I don't like even the what you would call like crap food. Like we were like, oh, let's just go get nachos. Oh my god! Yeah, there are food carts everywhere, and they're amazing. You can you can just pick up incredible things. Anything. It was un unreal. But I think that that those pockets of places like Portland, places like the Pacific Northwest, places like you know these little pockets here in New England, it's where people have connected back to Earth. Mm-hmm. And seasons. And community. And community. And how important is that as, as solitary kitchen witches mm-hmm. to be able to find community in a spiritual way around food? Yeah. What a gift that is. It is. Wow. Super fun. Okay. We have, <laughs> we have to take a break. I should have taken a break like 20 minutes ago. We have to take okay. a break and hear from our amazing sponsors. And when we get back... Uh, we're going to talk about your new your new book, which is okay. due out in July. So um, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Okay, guys, we're always talking about different kinds of readings and divination on this program, but I want to tell you guys a little bit about Sam Balea. Uh, He's an astrologer with over 15 years of experience um, in readings and divination and healing, all kinds of great stuff. And he is offering right now one-on-one consultation sessions uh, of of his astrology work. He's known for his daily horoscopes, instructional videos, and he really aims to encourage partnership with the natural forces of our world. Um, So his style of reading in astrology is very accessible, very knowledgeable. He's an amazing astrologer, can really give you a well-rounded reading so you can get to know your chart and what the stars have to say for you. Check out Sambalea and book a reading today at sambalea.com. That's S-A-M-B-E-L-Y-E-A.com. And you can check him out, follow his daily astrology postings and his daily horoscopes at sambalea.92 on Facebook and on Instagram at sambalea333. And of course, on Twitter at Scorpio Rising. S as in Sam, B as in Balea. Check out Sam Balea, book a reading, get your chart done. You will not be sorry. Guys, I have just got to tell you about the Robin's Nest. If you're unfamiliar with the Robin's Nest, let me tell you a little bit about one of my favorite shops. This is a full-service premier metaphysical shop here in New England. They offer everything from gifts to custom-made crafted potions and wares, magical and ritual items, divination materials, candles, crystals, uh, spiritually designed clothing, uh, ritual wear, books, incense, tarot, oracle decks, and most of all, more importantly, They offer friendship, creativity, and community. This shop is owned by one of my favorite people in the world, Robbie Packard, um, and she is a high priestess. She is helping foster a thriving pagan community with kindness and compassion. She is just the most amazing person, and her shop and everything in it reflects her love of community and craft. You will not find a more welcoming space to learn, to grow in your spiritual practice. Everything the Robin's Nest does is within intention of love and bringing community together. Although the shop is located in Bellingham, Massachusetts, you can find them online at therobinsnestma.com. That's therobinsnestma.com. They're offering tons of online rituals, uh, workshops, classes, tons of stuff to get you involved, to broaden your mind and help you on your spiritual journey. Uh, 
check them out, therobinsnestma.com. You will not be sorry that you did. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversational Witchcraft. Today, we are chatting kitchen witchery, food magic, and all the yummy, yummy things with the amazing Laurel Woodward. Uh, Laurel has a new book coming out. If it's half as good as your kitchen witchery book, I'm going to be so excited. Uh, It's called Backyard Garden Witchery, which ties right into everything that we've been talking about. Can you tell us what we can expect from this book? Well, it's it's a little bit different because it's is about creating sacred space in your own backyard. Oh, I love that. Um, and it's about uh, connecting with nature and the seasons and the spirit of your yard and your plant and to find plant allies and um, then growing your own fruits and veg and how to cook with them in your kitchen. <laughs> um, it seems like maybe that was some. This book is something that you've wanted to do for a while because in the beginning of our conversation, you said you really started your path mm-hmm. in the garden. Mm-hmm. So does this book feel like a long time coming or does it feel like something that is new and fresh that you just had to get out? Um, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not really sure. I think, uh, I think because I had to do the whole awakening about eating for my body and, and finding my own, way to wellness Yep. that the kitchen witchery book is just everything I learned. And then when I thought about doing a second one, it was the basis of, of my craft. And, and that was in the garden. I love that. I love that. So I myself am not a garden witch. <laughs> I try and I try. I'm great with my herbs Mm-hmm. I've tried many times since I bought my house and have my beautiful yard to grow vegetables. That doesn't work so well for me. Uh, I have to. Part of garden witchery is learning about the energies in your yard. Um, I I have a bunch of allies of hawthorn plants, which are mm-hmm. they're small trees. They uh, they're I think two of mine are about thirty feet tall. They're pretty big. They have um flowers in the spring they were called mayflower because they they are from england and they became mm. an ornament ornamental out here now they're evasive and they're everywhere <laughs> they have uh little berries in the fall and the leaves are also uh you can use all three of them in your practice and they're nervines so they are relaxing you can have the tea the berry the flower as tea you can use it in cooking um you can use it in your bath uh, you can burn it in uh, incense formulas and uh, wow. just learning the trees of your yard really for, opens up your practice. Um, yes. I love that. Yeah. I, I, again, I, I wouldn't consider myself a garden witch and I, I, I try <laughs> I did, last year I, w- I was walking around my yard and I have a very, very big yard and I was walking around my yard and I noticed these beautiful things. And I started taking pictures of them and I post them online. And I said, Hey, herbalist friends, I have these things in my yard. I have no idea what they are, but they're beautiful. And I'd like to know more about them. And I have bittersweet nightshade. Oh yeah. I have bittersweet nightshade. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, and then it's I have slightly a slightly toxic. Just yes. So you I won't, don't yeah, I won't, I won't use it, <laughs> but it's beautiful. And, um, I have like a little fairy garden where I've planted a bunch of flowers and stuff, but the, the I also have um, a fungus that uh, prevents fruit from growing. Um, oh. I have these ginormous apple trees and they're infected. Um, oh no. Yeah. And they, when we bought the house, they were infected and mm. there's really nothing I can do to get it out. I can't mm. get it out of the, the earth. So, um, that's my, that's my challenge. And I don't think that there's anything spiritually that I can do about that. Like I've see, sought professional help and I know there's uh-huh. nothing I do about it. So could you advise as a garden witch, what could someone like me do to improve their practice or start their practice or touch on their practice of garden witchery? You've actually, you've already done it. You've, you've made friends with some of the plants in your yard. The very first thing you need to do is identify what you have to work with, with the 
the energies in your yard. Who who's there? Who's who are your guardians? Do you have a giant fir tree? Do you have an oak tree? You know, learn about that individual and spend time with them, observing how they live throughout the year. You know what their habits are, and uh, look at their lore and see see what you can use them for. Oh, I love that so much. I these two giant apple trees. All this where we used to live, it used to be farms and orchards. And these apple trees have got to be hundreds of years old because they're taller than my home. Wow. They're yeah. humongous. Um, and they're very old and they, they're not well, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we do need to trim the back and I, we're going to do it this year for sure. But I call the bigger one the grandmother tree and then uh-huh. the, the smaller one the mother tree. And I'll go outside and I hang the bird feeder from the grandmother tree and I put my hand on her bark and I'm like, hello, grandmother. Thank you for being here. Thank you for bringing shade to my yard. And, you know, there's such a peace yes. in yeah. these these two particular trees that it is daunting to mess with them in any way. Um but I love the idea of getting to know these these protectors or these personalities. Um, I had a conversation with an herbalist friend, and she had said, I told her what was in my yard, and she's like, you have three things that are protection herbs growing wild around your home. Why are they there? Talk to them. What are they doing there, and, and are they preventing anything good from growing are they overprotecting? and i was like whoa that blew my mind is that the kind of thing that that you talk about in the backyard garden witchery it is it is it's uh it's about uh meeting the spirit of your yard and forming a connection with them and what you can do to make your space sacred um and if you don't have a yard well yeah if you don't have a yard it's a little harder um and I didn't really talk about house plants, but you actually you can you can have spirit allies that are house plants, right? And do you get into the hows of identifying those allies? I'm not sure what you mean. So when you were talking about before that that motherwort really spoke to you, mm-hmm. and you were able to just feel it like a lightning bolt. Yes. If I couldn't feel it like a lightning bolt, how would you advise me as a garden witch? to commune with those plants and identify which ones are just the personalities and which one is a guardian. Like, mm-hmm. do you see what oh, I was like? How would you yes. advise that? Oh, first go outside and walk your land, get to know what is there, um, identify what is growing there and mm-hmm. spend some time watching and looking and observing and take notes. Um, I have a big giant mimosa in my front yard and I have a tree. Um, uh, 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 I have a, uh, chair that leans back at Chase Lounge. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite things to do in the summer is just lay underneath it and gaze up at the branches and just watch the life going on. Because when when all the flowers come out, there are bees and butterflies and birds and squirrels. And it's just a whole universe unto itself. And I I love watching that. Um, and it's it's a it's a very meditative, peaceful healing time. Mm. I love that so much. And that makes me yearn for spring. It, re- it really does. It really does. And um, as we're recording this, it's February. And um, in New England, the weather is crazy. Uh, today, it was 50 degrees. And we're going to have some sort of ice storm. And it's going to be like negative 15 later in the week. So uh, it's the weather here is a little crazy. But today was that day in February. My New England friends will understand where there are robins in your yard, there are birds singing, everything feels warm, and you're like, oh, spring is right around the corner. Yeah, yeah. We, that feeling will go away in a day or two. Yeah. But what you're talking about, that communing with the garden, I think it starts even in the cold times. Would you agree? Um, well, in I, again, I'm very seasonal. Um, so the wintertime the darkness. It was more of a dreaming of or planning, but I've already started planting. I've already put my lettuce and spinach in. Oh, um, wow. the, the minute that the minute that the sun starts to become even, you know, the solstice, the minute that that the daylight starts to become more, I just wake up and I'm ready. I'm ready to <laughs> be outside. I'm ready to to start 
growing stuff. I'm ready to see what damage has happened over winter and, you know, heal that. And you Um, just can't wait to get get in the dirt, right? Yeah, I can't. It's really wet and cold right now. It's it's, it's 20 degrees this morning, (laughs) but as that ice storm was started here, I think. Yeah, and it's coming this way. Yeah. For sure. But you yeah. do, you get that that one day where you wake up and you like smell the earth and you're like, I'm not a garden witch. And I'm like, I just need to put my hands in the ground. Like I need, I need to dig and I, I need to smell the earth and I I just need to be out there. In nature, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I just need to be digging and <laughs> I'm just gonna sit here and like dig dirt from one pot into the other part and I'm gonna be wee, you know. <laughs> I'm gonna i I'm gonna plant seeds and I don't know what I'm doing. And then every time I try to plant seeds, I forget to water them and then they don't grow. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna buy my vegetables. It's fine. Um <laughs> that's, that's really what it boils down to. Um I am just having the best time chatting with you. Um so this backyard garden witchcraft book, which I think is important because it goes back to what we were talking about before, right? Those simple things, those mundane activities, the gratitude for those things. These are th- those are important principles. But kitchen witchery, garden witchery are things anyone can do, and you probably already have a basic knowledge of them, right? So if you yeah. could give um, wrong question, let me let me start again. What are you hoping people will take away from the Garden Witchcraft book? Um, That your practice can be sacred at any part of the day in your own space, in your own place. Um, You you have everything you need at your fingertips. You just have to see it. Um, I I think... uh, I think it's important also um, our connection to nature and um, to understanding that we are not just the center of our life, but that every creature out there has a, a place in our, in our world. And if we get to know them, they, their presence will enrich our life. Um, I, I guess. It's a, it's a great, great answer. <laughs> and, and, and it's true and real and, and, Really, a book like you're talking about, your kitchen witchery book, your garden witchery book, these are tactile magics. These are things you can hold, you can make, you can share. Um, So it's interesting to me that so many of us identify as solitary practitioners when the basis of the things we're making is so that we can connect and share with others. Yeah. Yeah, because that takes it from being a solitary practice to being a community practice without necessarily being in a circle of people under the full moon in robes. Right. And as you're saying, garden witchery, kitchen witchery, these are things that are, we stop three times a day to eat. Mm -hmm. We don't stop three times a day to, uh, you know, pull a tarot card or light a candle or, you know, write a sigil. We don't do those things, but we do stop. Those are like special, meaningful, uh, you know, I got to make time for that. We make time every day to eat. So if we make time every day to eat or feed others, it's so- And to do it consciously? Consciously. Consciously. With intent. With intent and gratitude. And gratitude, yeah. And it becomes magical. It becomes sacred. A hundred percent. I agree with you a hundred percent. And I love that so much. I am just so excited about your new book. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to it. That's available in July. Mm -hmm. It is. Yes. So tell us, Laurel, where can we find you online? Where can we find your books? Where can we learn more about you and connect with you? Well, I'm at laurelwoodward.com. But I also have a blog at Liminal Landscapes, and I have a whole bunch of recipes on there. Um, <laughs> but I'm on Instagram too, and you can find my Instagram through um, my blog or my Laurel Woodward space. And the new book is Garden Backyard Garden Witchery. Yes, it is Backyard through, Garden Witchery. through Llewellyn Publishing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And where can we find this book? Where can we buy this book? Um, it's going to be at the Poison Pen signed. Um, okay. but you, you can order it pretty much anywhere, anywhere books are sold, support your local bookstores yes, <laughs> and yes. your local pagan shops, right? Uh, uh-huh. your local witchcraft shops. Um, this is so exciting. Okay. So I have my last question for you, which is a question I ask for all of my guests. It's going to be a tough one for you because you're a cook and a kitchen witch, right? 
Okay. So I'm a kitchen witch, you're a kitchen witch. But if you could have me cook one magical meal for you, mm-hmm. what would it be and why? Oh, that is hard. Um, right, because you're a good cook. You don't need somebody to cook something <laughs> for you. Um, but you know what? I do love going to a friend's house for lunch. And if you would cook me a lovely lunch and we could have an hour or so conversation, that's what I would like. What kind of things do you like for lunch? It depends on the season, right? Right, it does. I know. I know. So like if I was, it was the middle of the fall, I might make a beautiful, I love grilled cheese sandwiches. Mm -hmm. Like my favorite thing in the world. And it's hard to come by when you have a gluten allergy. I I saw saw your beautiful one with the pesto. Uh, you uh, or was it um, dipping in the marinara sauce in the cookbook? It's a garlic yes. grilled cheese sandwich. Garlic. That's it's it. a garlic oh. grilled cheese. So you make a garlic crust on the bread, and then you fill it with parmesan uh, with um, mozzarella, and then you dunk it in a marinara sauce. Yeah, that that looks amazing. It's so it's so easy to like. I have a grilled cheese for every season. Lovely. <laughs> I, just, Lovely. I just made a grilled cheese. Um, it was brie. And tart cherries mm. and arugula. Oh, yum. And it was grilled in lavender and orange olive oil. It was I, I have one that, that I got from the uh, PB food cart that's here in Portland. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, walnut butter, um, cheddar cheese, oh my God. and um, uh, pears. Oh, yeah, it, it's, pears. It's, it's delicious. Oh, my It's very, very goodness. tasty. Fig jam and goat cheese and caramelized mm. onions. Yeah. Boom. Like yeah. I could every day, every so okay. So if I was gonna cook a meal for you, you would want a lovely lunch, probably a salad, a sandwich. And a grilled cheese. And a grilled yeah, cheese and go. a grilled cheese. And a grilled cheese. Oh, I love it so much. And and one of your lemon balm waters. Oh, and lemon balm infused water. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll do lemon balm and mint infused oh, water. Oh, that sounds like a lovely time. Let's do it. <laughs> Next time I'm in PDX, I will let you know. And I will. I, I ha- have plans to come back as soon as it's safe and I can't wait. And I'm going to hang out with all my PDX friends and I'm. it's going to happen. Um, thank you so much for spending time with me. I'm starving. It's We've done nothing but talk about food for an hour and it's totally <laughs> dinner time for me. So... Um, I have just had the best time. Thank you so much. I for have being. too. Thank Yay. you. It was Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Laurel Woodward, the new book, Backyard Garden Witchery, uh, out everywhere in July. Um, thank you so much for joining me. Until next time, I wish you all many blessings and so much gratitude. Thank you. Thank you.